Christian life, that our lives would represent the risen King and the risen Savior, you. And God, I pray that you bless this message to every heart that hears in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's walk around the text tonight. The disciples are hiding, right? They're hiding because of the fear of what's going to happen. You know, Jesus, the one whom they were following, Jesus, the one whom had been captured and crucified, is dead. And it's here they gather in the fear of Jews. And I want you to get this understanding because they gather in this, this hope of this Jesus has now been disintegrated. Faith has turned to fear. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Jesus busts in the room. I mean, there's no knock-knock jokes with Jesus. He comes in and he's like, hey, peace be with you. I don't know how we would have said it. <laughs> but he's like, peace be with you. He shows them his hands where the nails had been driven. He shows them his side where the spear had gone in. And they would have seen him. And the Bible tells us the disciples were glad. They were amazed now fear has turned to faith, and they're like, you know what, wow, this is amazing. Jesus, you're alive. And isn't it funny, you know, when hope is lost, just like the times that we're living here, fear has covered its blanket over the earth. You feel its oppression upon every single place that you go. But listen, when you gather together, hallelujah, when two or three gather in my name, Jesus says, I am with you. Jesus says, I'm with you. So if you, even if you're right now watching in your room and you've got your family watching, listen, Jesus turns up and says, peace be with you. And tonight, maybe that's you. You're feeling depressed. Maybe that's you tonight. You feel like fear has covered your faith. You feel like, you know what, something has come over you. Listen, tonight, Jesus is able to turn up into your house uh, and turn faith into fear but I want to tell you you know what he can turn it around that your fear can be turned into faith and in our story there's one person missing one person missing and his name is Thomas Thomas is that guy that you know what he misses on outreach Thomas is that guy when he misses the prayer meetings Thomas is that guy and he misses the service and every single disciple is like Oh, bro, you missed it, man. Man, that sermon, I'm telling you, Jesus turned up. Oh, you missed the, the amazing outreach, bro. Sis, you missed out, man. And so here is this story. We pick up this particular story. And the disciples said to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. In other words, they were bragging about Jesus. Thomas, you missed out, man. He came in. The doors were shut. You missed it, bro. He came in. He's like, peace. We're like, whoa, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> and it's like, you missed out. And I want you to get what Thomas says. Thomas says, no, no, no. I don't believe. I don't believe one bit of it. And he says this. And this is what I want you to see. Unless I see in his hands the print of nails and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Man, I tell you, when I read that, right there, the Holy Ghost says, bang. Right there is the cry of the world. Right there is the cry of the world that they want to see. Listen, number one, the evidence of the cross. If you're taking note, point number one, the evidence of the cross. What do you mean? Well, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, 
Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, the world is crying out to see the evidence of the cross. Meaning there is a significant change to someone who has chosen to die to their old sinful ways. They've chosen to say, you know what, man, I forget about that old lifestyle. I'm choosing to die on that cross, my passions, my desires. And listen, the evidence is the cross. I believe the world has heard enough. I believe the world has heard enough of the church that the world wants to see it. Because many say they're Christians. I don't know about you, but you can meet so many believers out there on the street. Many say they're Christians. They can talk the lingo. They can talk the talk. How many know what I'm saying? But they don't even walk the walk. There's no evidence of the cross. You know what I'm talking about. There's no evidence. Oh, you see them on the Instagram page. Oh, the photos that they take. Man, hey, is there any evidence of the cross? Do they look like they've been crucified on the cross and they can, the world can see the nail-pierced hands in your life? Many profess to be believers. They can speak the lingo, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But yet, listen, their lives speak another language. And Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus was so harsh with the Pharisees. Jesus was so harsh with them because he called them hypocrites. And hypocrites in those times were, uh, they'd have these dramas or these plays and they begin to, uh, a hypocrite would have a mask and they'd begin to show different uh, emotions, whether they're sad, whether they're happy, whether they're angry, so that the audience can see. They called them the hypocrites. And so Jesus calls these Pharisees hypocrites. They had an image up, but behind that image was false. There was someone else. They looked all holy. They had the robes. They had everything all nice. They wanted the best seats in church. They professed that they were Christians. They professed that they were, you know what, praying those long prayers so everyone could see. And Jesus says, hypocrite. He says, you know what? You know how you're going to know my, my disciples? You know how you know them? By their fruit. By their fruit. And the world, listen, wants to see the power of the gospel in the lives of people. But yet they are thrown off by people who profess they're Christians and yet live like the world. 2 Timothy 3 verses 5. Listen to this. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Man, I've been in in school and I've seen Christians. I've been in clubs and I've seen these so-called Christians. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And this is what the world is turned off by. They're turned off by these people who have this hypocrite lifestyle up in front. Hey, I'm a Christian, I believe, I believe but yet they go out drinking, yet go out smoking. All these things are, that are playing out and the world is like, you know what? No, nah, no, nah, not for me. Ah, man, why would you want to be someone like that? Oh, they appear on the outside. It looks all good, but hear what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. 
Do not be ashamed, young people. Teenager, you're listening right now. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Make a stand in this world. Make a stand for what you believe. I'm telling you, make a conviction to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to be like the world. I'm going to live like Christ, the evidence of the cross. God, you know what? Have my life, Jesus. Have my desires. I'm going to crucify them on the cross. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen, the world is crying out like Thomas. Listen to the cry until I see the nail-pierced hands. Until I see the evidence, then I'll believe. So let me ask you the question again. What does your life say about Jesus? Is he dead or is he alive? James chapter 4 verse 4, he gives us some incredible, disturbing, confronting words. Have a listen to it. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. So the evidence is clear. You're either a friend of the world or you're a friend of God. So let's move on. Number two, the evidence of the grave. Jesus died, but he didn't remain dead in a grave. Listen, he rose again. And our lives are to resemble that very truth. Our lives ought to resemble that very truth that we as believers are not dead in our sins, but we are alive in God. Romans chapter 6. A whole chapter talking about dead to sin and alive to God. Listen to it. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us are baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, whoo, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died. He died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so a sub point tonight is a living testimony. Dead to sin and alive to God. You might be here tonight and you want to, you're saying, God, use my life. God, I want you to use me. Can I encourage you? There's nothing else more pleasing to God but just to be a living testimony for Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, 
the apostles, they give their testimony in many words. Have a listen. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The apostles were testifying of the resurrection. They were telling others what they had seen with their own eyes, with their, what they've heard with their own ears and touched with their own hands. Listen, these apostles gave a personal account, a personal eyewitness account of Christ's resurrection. And in the same way, we as believers today are commanded to tell others of what we ourselves had witnessed firsthand. Now I'm talking about, you know what, we're not, we, haven't, we weren't there when Jesus died. We weren't there. Uh, but listen, we haven't had that face-to-face experience with Jesus like the apostles did. But our conversion experience is no less genuine and no less proof of God's supernatural work in our lives can you say amen and we should eagerly share with boldness and humility the change that has taken place in our hearts that you know what whenever you go to your school whenever you go to work whenever you go down the street whenever you're around your family that your life is a living testimony of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that you were once now dead to sin but alive in God because of the power of Jesus resurrection and it's a call tonight to walk in the newness of life It's a call tonight to walk uh, with integrity, with honesty. It's a call tonight to walk with such honor to the fact that, you know what, Jesus, you died for me. God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be a testimony, whatever it takes, Lord. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. This is about a testimony that glorifies God. What about you tonight, my friend? Is your life dead or alive? Does it resemble the cross, the evidence of the cross? Does it resemble the evidence of the grave? Another sub-point for the evidence of the grave is to be alive is to be a light. Acts chapter 13 verse 47, the NIV translation says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Matthew chapter 5 verse 15, Jesus says this, Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, Let your light shine before all men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, you are a light in a dark world. You might be the only hope for your family, You might be the only hope for your children. You might be the only hope for your spouse. You might be the only hope tonight. I'm telling you. But do you just have a form of godliness and deny the power? Or do you have this resolute conviction that says, you know what, man, I've crucified my flesh. My desires have been crucified on the cross by the resurrection, the new life that he's given me. I'm walking in it. And so therefore, let your light shine. Let your testimony speak to those around you. You know, I got saved in grade 12, at the end of grade 12, and I had this image, this reputation, shame. (laughs) You know, I feel shame even speaking about it. 
And this, I had this reputation in school about this, uh, you know, I was this popular guy, this mocker, joker, uh, party kind of guy. My lifestyle, you know, was uh, just so shameful. I wanted to date the hottest chick in, in school. I, you know, it was just shame. Everything was saved. And then I got saved. And as much as I like to say, man, I became full on for God. As much as I like to say, man, I was on fire for God. I wasn't. I created this image and it was kind of like, man, I, this reputation and now I've become a Christian and, and so it's conflicting my lifestyle and, and God was dealing with my heart. And then I got a revelation that Jesus died for me. And then I got a revelation that Jesus rose again so I can have new life. And I wanted to be this cool guy. I wanted to yeah, go with the parties, drink, uh, sleep with all the girls. But listen, uh, then go to church. And I was like, oh, what's going on? But then I had a revelation of it all. That Jesus died for me. That he rose again so I can be new and I can be forgiven. And I decided, you know what? Forget living for the devil anymore. You know what? Forget living for the world. I'm going to go full on for God. I'm going to crucify this flesh once and for all. I'm going to be dead to my sin and alive to God. And God was working through me. He was changing me. Most of you know my story. And in high school, a young man begins to talk to me about my life and says, how come you're not sitting with the guys anymore? Yeah, I had no idea, but my life was speaking to others to the point that they got saved. Thirdly, let's talk about the expression of a believer. So the evidence we have encountered happens on the inside, which in turn is expressed on the outside. The word express has two words. Ex means to, in Latin is out, in Latin pressa, which means to press. So you put it together, it means to press out, to obtain by squeezing. Pressed out, meaning that what is on the inside will come out. And this is the true character of a believer. This is something that when someone who has deep convictions, that whenever the pressure of life comes, that whenever the trials come, listen, what's on the inside is what remained all along will be squeezed out. You will know because how you respond to failure, how you respond to discipleship, when your pastor says no, how you handle correction, how you respond to all these things is because how you process life is from the word of God and through the fact that, you know what, having a relationship with Jesus Christ, what's on the inside is expressed outwardly. Even how you respond to tragic events that unfold. I want to encourage every one of you, maybe you're watching now, to watch Strathpine's live stream from this morning. I was watching it with my wife and uh, this young lady, Catherine, Pastor Field's daughter, shares her story on how she processes losing her own daughter. She gave birth to a stillborn, beautiful baby girl named Zara. And you hear her speak. I mean, I'm telling you, I was touched. You hear her speak. It's filtered through God's word and God's promise because what's inside of you or what was inside of her was being expressed. How she functioned through life's difficulty. The expression of a believer 
because of the fact that you know what she was processing everything by the word of God having a relationship with Jesus Christ and I want to say you can tell who the real Christians are when life hits the fan you can tell who the real Christians are when they've gone through some hardships and hard trials and tribulations because what's on the inside is expressed outwardly and actions speak louder than words I would encourage you your life does all the speaking you know yes we want to preach yes talk about your testimony because it's so important we ought to preach the gospel yes talk but listen very carefully does your life match your words you can highlight the bible but does the bible highlight you do those scriptures highlight your life your words need to match your heart out of the abundance of the heart the bible says a man speaks again talking about on the inside of a man is what will be expressed onto how he behaves how he acts how he responds and we see it in the life of jesus christ he was in the garden of Gethsemane where life was squeezed out, where he began to sweat drops of blood. And at the point where he could have just given up and said, God, I don't want to do this anymore. God, is there another way? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What was on the inside was being expressed outwardly. Jesus was a true believer. It was who he was. And you can't deny what Jesus has done and accomplished with his life on earth you see the the soldiers mocked him they spat on him but yet he didn't say a word because his life had spoken and i want to encourage you stir your faith live it out live it don't just talk the talk man don't just uh, talk the talk because talk is cheap i'm telling you life and living it is expensive it's going to cost you what does your life say about jesus is he dead or is he alive? Let me close with this poem. I'm not really a poems kind of guy, but I really love this poem. And this is what inspired this message. And it's a poem by Edgar Guest. E-D-G-A-R-G-U-E-S-T. I want you to, you know what, look it up, take a photo of it, screenshot it, put it on your fridge. Man, hang it up somewhere. It's such a good poem. Have a listen to it. It says this, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes are better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you let me see it done I can watch your hands in actions but your tongue too fast may run and the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do for I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live when I see a deed of kindness I am eager to be kind when a weaker brother stumbles and a strong man stays behind just to see if he can help him then the wish grows strong in me to become as big and thoughtful as I know that friend to be and all the travelers 
can witness the best guides today is not the one who tells them, but the one who shows the way. One good man teaches many. Men believe what they behold. One deed of kindness notice is worth 40 that are told. Who stands with men of honor leads to hold his honor dear. For right living speaks the language which is everyone is clear. Though an able speaker charms me with eloquence, I say, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Is your life a sermon? Then what are you preaching? Is your life a resemblance of Jesus Christ? Is he dead or is he alive? Every head bowed, every eye closed. What does your life say about Jesus, my friend? Is he dead or is he alive? Is he dead or is he alive? You know what? It's so important as believers that we ought to live out our Christian faith. We ought to just walk it out. Yes, share your testimony. Yes, preach the gospel. Yes, go out and talk. But listen, when all is said and done, when no one else is watching, when no one else is around, or when you're in work, is your life still preaching a message? And I want to give a call to every believer. I want to challenge you. I want to urge you. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Jesus is alive. Not that you can just continue in your sin. Jesus is alive. Not so you can just continue and dabble with the world. Jesus is alive so that you can walk in the newness of that resurrection power. And if God is speaking to you tonight, I want you to go down, find a, you know, find a place to pray right now and ask God to help you. This message is challenging. You know what? Find a place to pray. The altars are open, but you're at home. I encourage you, go down on your knees right now and say, God, I want my life, I want my life to be a living testimony. God, I want my life to be a sermon that any, anyone who comes across that my life would be preaching a message to them. These altars are open. You find a place to pray. But I want to give an invitation right now to those who maybe do not know Christ. You're watching live right now. You're in your bedroom. You're in your living room and you're not saved. You're not born again. Jesus died on the cross. He took your, your sins. He took your shame. He took your punishment. And he hung there on a cross and he said, it is finished. He paid for your sins, my friend. And then they put him in a grave. Three days later, he rose again. He rose again so that you can have new life. That your old ways, your old, your past can be erased. That you can have a new life. And if that's you, you've been praying, oh, I just want something new. I just want a fresh a start. I just want a new life. If that's you tonight, you've prayed that prayer. You've prayed, God, give me a sign. God, I, I want something to happen in my life. Listen, tonight is your night. Right now, I want you to pray this prayer. You want a new life in God. You want to be forgiven of your sins. You pray this prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. Come into my life. Wash me clean. 
take out what's needed to be taken out and put in what needs to be put in. I'm asking that you forgive me. I'm asking that you would cleanse me and make me a new creation. And tonight, I give my life to you. I repent. I turn from my ways and I turn to you. I'm asking that resurrection power to live within me. I thank you that you love me. And I thank you that you died for me and that you rose again. And I pray it. I seal it by the blood. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. Get in contact with us. But right now, I just want to pray for us and our church. If you just close your eyes for just a minute, I want to seal off in prayer. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise. And God, I pray for every believer that listens to this message. God, that they would be stirred in their faith. God, not just to talk, but to walk the walk. And I pray, God, that you would stir every believer. God, when they go out into the workplace tomorrow, God, that their lives would be a light unto the dark world. And God, that you would be glorified. Let lives be touched. Let souls be changed and saved. God, when they come in contact with you. And I pray, God, let our lives be a living testimony, a sermon ready to be preached to the world. Because there are people out there, just like Thomas, until they see the nail-scarred hands, they will believe. And I pray, God, let us, the church, be, that, be the Christians, be the people that would show the world the nail-scarred hands in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining in. Have a wonderful week. Please continue to join with us every service here.